Happy Friday to you, Lima Land. Happy Friday indeed. It is absolutely gorgeous outside. It's a Friday. Work week is almost in the books. Thank you so much for joining us, however you are doing so, whether we are on your radio, whether you've got us at 931thefan.com or you're using the free 931thefan app. You have lots of things that you could do. Appreciate you making time for us on this Friday. Got a really big show. I got here today, got the show sheet handed to me. We're going to visit with the new Northwest Central Conference Commissioner, Jerry Cooper, going to join us. I hear a little bit later in the first hour, we got football 515 conversation where we get to bring up Jim Harbaugh, which is always fun. Yeah. Always, always fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. It absolutely is. We'll get to our Monday's headlines today, which you know is generally speaking a train wreck, but we have fun with it anyway. And before we get to our Friday starting staple of In Case We Missed It, just tell me about your Friday. How are you? Well, there was cake. Yes, there was. Was. Very, very operative (laughs) term. Briefly. Briefly cake. We've got a birthday in the office, and so there was a... I don't What do you call that cake? Uh, Jello cake? Sure. I think that's what we called it when I was a kid. And actually, when I was working at Upper Side of Valley as a... Fake guidance counselor was the term that we used for my title. Uh, director of student services. We had jello cake in the cafeteria from time to time. But yeah, I walked in and they, of course, I don't have my, my key fob because my keys get, car's getting worked on and my keys are in it. So got to push the buzzer and get let in. And as I'm making my way to the stairway, I hear, well, we have cake. Would you like some? And I'm thinking to myself, does anyone say no? Yeah, like there's a, there's a similar vein. Like anytime... It's like nine o'clock on a Friday, and somebody's like, "Hey, I brought donuts." And there's always one person that's like, "Oh no, I'm not hungry." What the hell does that have to do with eating a donut? <laughs> nobody, nobody asked if you were hungry. I said, "There's donuts." I didn't donut say Friday. Like you didn't, <laughs> like, you didn't not brush your teeth this morning because you didn't eat much yesterday. <laughs> oh no, I, not none for me. I'm not hungry. What does that have to do with eating a donut? Always room. Right. I got room for cake now. Part of me is now like, wait a second, I've sat up here working since 9 o'clock this morning. Oh, wait a minute. Nobody mentioned, well, that's true. <laughs> that was a short TikTok break. <laughs> you sure. people don't get to be here when we're not on the air, and it's a daggone shame. I'll just flat and out I tell you. And I forgot to bring my piece of marketing genius for I was you today. Gonna ask, I was going to ask. I rushed out of the building. Oh, I'm so disappointed. So I, I try to take a break around 2 o'clock every day just to get away from my desk and refresh and start to think about the show that's going to happen 10, in two 15 hours. 15-minute break. Yeah, you know, 10 minutes. There's a couch right next to my desk. So I sat down on the couch. I opened up TikTok, and 52 minutes later, <laughs> I thought, oh, boy. That was a... They better get to making a that show. Was, I found some fantastic TikToks, though. They're, <laughs> they're funnier than hell. Oh, I'm sure. But, yeah, f- 52 <laughs> minutes later, it's like, oh, boy. Uh, good thing it's a Friday in the summer and nobody else in the office. I mean... You shoot a cannon through this place sometimes at 4 o'clock. <laughs> people are supposed to be here till 5, so I don't feel bad. I was impressed. I came through the door, and there were people downstairs working, and I came around the corner, and there was somebody at the copy I've never actually seen before. <laughs> meet, I mean, I mean, I'm, meet new people. I mean, I'm not here every day. I understand I don't make my way through the entire building, but generally speaking, on my way you know, in the door and up the stairs, I get to f- pretty familiar with who works downstairs and yeah. who's in the cubicles, but whoever was at the copier, I had never seen them before. I'm not sure who was. <laughs> Perfectly nice lady, I'm sure, but I didn't know her. <laughs> Gave her a howdy and came on up the steps. Hey, and then there's cake. Well, <laughs> and the okay. cake came up the stairs to us. Yeah, that was I mean, a really that's, nice. A, that's a nice touch. That was very nice, nice touch. Very nice. It's no longer here, but I was told that if there was any left, it would be in the fridge. 
Right. Like the leftovers. I'm like, well, it's not going to head of ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Who says it's extra? <laughs> right. Because. If you people we, downstairs don't eat it. Right. Doesn't mean somebody up here is not going to. I mean, it won't be in the fridge long. It's oh, been a right. busy sports week. Did we miss anything? I think we missed a few things, there actually. Was, I know. I, the one thing I, that I thought about was um, Ohio State got another commitment from a, the, the number one quarterback in the class of 2024. Or when I don't know um, when Dylan Rayola is going to be there, but you remember Dominic Rayola from the Pittsburgh Steelers? I do. His son is uh, fantastic. The number one quarterback in the sophomore class right sophomore now. Sophomore class. I would I, Actually, th- you'll like this. Friend of the program, Spencer Holbrook from Letterman Row. When I was driving to no i was in the parking lot doing student dismissal he was on with anthony rothman and the guys on oh, gotcha. on 97 one the fan spence was breaking down the whole rayola thing and how exciting it is and i'm just wondering how many people are already kind of taking a peek at the transfer portal because that kid said i'm coming in two years yeah no i, I that was sort of my <laughs> thought process too of like oh so you got another number one quarterback in the class coming and they're also very high on Ryan Montgomery from Finley. And also there's a young pup apparently from Bell Fountain who is... I hear the same thing. Tavian St. Clair, I believe, is his name. He's got an offer from Tennessee now as a freshman. Um, so we got some quarterbacks coming up through the ranks in the next couple of years in the area that apparently are getting pretty pretty big looks. But you can still uh, only put one of them on the field. Right, right. right. And that's like you've got... You're going to have at that point like three or four very highly regarded players at that position where... Y- y'all aren't going to make it out of there alive. <laughs> you're, you're all not going to play and be big factors at Ohio State. Not a chance. So, I, so I, it will be interesting to watch, but that kid's a sophomore, number one quarterback in the cor- in the class, and already a Buckeye, already recruiting other kids on Twitter. So we'll see how that goes. That shall be an interesting thing to watch unfold. You know, we've been talking for the last couple of weeks, and you even predicted no hitters, and we had a combined no hitter already this year, but we missed it this week and didn't talk about this week that on Tuesday, because we didn't have a show on Wednesday, right. so that's a big part of it. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know who Reed Detmer was. Maybe I'm not supposed to. He's a rookie. Yeah, eleven starts or eleven starts into his career. Eleven starts into his career. Reed Detmer's the a rookie for the Anaheim Angels. Faces one batter oh, no. over the minimum. The Los Angeles Angels. Yes, I, I know. don't know if they're of the Los but, Angeles but, Angels of Anaheim anymore or not. I, I am just. Uh, I am. I, I don't know what you a curmudgeon. I, I don't know what <laughs> you call me, but you give me a name, leave me alone, let me have it. All right, California Angels for, pitcher. Yes, <laughs> California Reed. Angels. That, that's when life was good. Reed Detmers faces one batter over the minimum, 28 batters, in a 12 nothing win over the Tampa Bay Rays. I got a brother who's kind of become an adopted fan of the Rays since that's now his hometown, and he couldn't have been happy that night. But I have, I have a statement to make about that. All right. I don't know why. I, I know you want a no-hitter, but one of the things I always loved about Greg Maddox and always admired is Greg Maddox said that the only way he could see himself ever throwing a no-hitter is if it was absolutely necessary to complete the game and, and maintain a win. In other words, it's going to have to be one nothing. And I got a no-hitter going because he said that, and this was years ago, that I, I just can't not think about the next time around. And if I've dominated a team, if we're up, I think he may have actually said 12 nothing. what do I want to throw a no-hitter for when I know i got to see these guys again in a couple of weeks or maybe a month? And he said so, he's going to serve a potato to somebody because that's the thing he wants them remembering about facing him. And he actually said he did it in spring training all the time. When he would have his last outing of spring training 
against the team that they were going to see fairly early in the season, he up. would just get bombed by a couple of guys. Maybe not a, a bad outing, but at least a couple of bad at-bats. Right. And he said, I might be incapable of throwing a no-hitter unless it's absolutely what's required. Just leave that slider hanging out there just for a little yep, bit. Because that's what he wants them thinking about and, and, and believing is what's possible and what's coming for the next time he sees them. But Reed Detmers... No-no in a 12 nothing win. That was Tuesday. We missed that one. We also did not spend a whole lot of time talking about the fact, we did touch on it briefly yesterday, that on Wednesday night, the Memphis Grizzlies beat the Golden State Warriors by 39 points. Like a drum. They had a 55-point like lead in the third quarter. They were up 52 after three, which is an NBA playoff record all time. And they did all of it with John Moran in street clothes just hamming it up as a bench mob guy and having a good time. And he's going to be in street clothes from here on yeah, out. He's done. That He's done. But that improves their record on the season to, I believe, 21-6 and six with John Morant in street clothes. You know, I, I heard the, the ESPN medical expert or whatever describe what a bone bruise is. I could have lived the rest of my life without... Hearing all hearing of that, that stuff. Yeah, I was like, you know what? I'm good. Like, I, I, she was like, now you're probably thinking a bone bruise. Like, and when you see, a, we have a bruise on your arm or whatever. You know, it, it, it's 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 tender because it's bleeding. Well, your bone is bleeding. I was like, ah, ah. <laughs> okay, enough, enough. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. So I didn't need to know that. I just tell me, Jaws got a bone bruise. I'm like, oh well, that that sucks. Okay. He's a bit active for a guy with a bone bruise on the True. bench. Anyway, he's having True. a good time. Having a good time. I'm not going to get into that. I just I find it fascinating that that guy is as good as he is, and they are 21 and six when he doesn't play, and they they've beaten the Golden State Warriors. Now, like a drum. What that means for tonight? Who knows? I got no idea. Uh, I still think Golden State's going to win. Uh, we also haven't touched on the fact because it's 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 just now happened, and we wouldn't have missed it this week. But the number one seed in the West is going to a game seven, and they will not have the best player on the court when that game starts. <laughs> Their opponents will. Luca is right. really, not, really, really good. Not an ideal spot, but you still like their chances. I do, yeah. I do. I, overall, I do. I won't say it won't shock me if they lose, but overall, I do. And the other thing we did kind of miss this week, and I want to say a huge congratulations. At least I'm assuming it's true. It was on the internet, so it must be right. That uh, Lima Senior product, soon to be Lima Senior alum, Khalil Luster, after receiving several offers during the month of April, has apparently committed to play his college basketball at the University of Finley. And I'm incredibly excited about having that kid that close to where we can go see and other people can go see. And I just think it'll be a fascinating, interesting watch to see how he melds with that program. I, I think he can be a fantastic fit anywhere because he's a point guard's point guard's point guard. And I don't know that those guys don't fit wherever they end up. Um, but congratulations to Khalil Luster and congratulations to the University of Finley. Best of luck to both sides. I've said before on the air, Give the I, I think Khalil Luster can play. And I know that there are those who will, uh, won't give him the time of day because realistically, is Khalil Luster 5'6"? Five, five, I'd say seven. That's, that sounds about right. He's 5'6", a heart. 5'7", a heart. I mean, he, he's a competitor. He can play. He's got a great handle, can shoot, athletic. I think he's going to do big things at Finley. Maybe not right off the bat, but someday he's going to be a dude that's going to contribute a lot for the Oilers. Just because it's a little uncommon for very small players to play very well at high-level basketball, we've seen it enough to know it can happen. Get off of that. 
just drop it already. Yes, it is a little bit surprising and impressive when really small players do really well in high levels of basketball. But we see it often enough. It's not like it's some sort of anomaly. It's it's not. And in this day and age with the game, the way it gets played now and the premium on speed, quickness, and be able to space the floor and use the the gifts that he's got, I I think he's going to be a home run fit, and I'm looking forward to watching it happened, but I just I know we hadn't touched on it this week, so it's been a lot that we haven't touched on. Which because we've been so busy touching on other things, we've also missed the fact that. Well, you know what? I'll hold on to that. One. We'll come back to it because we've got a, we've got a segment a little bit later on that I kind of want to touch on that. So why don't we why don't we go ahead and take our first Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout? We are a little bit behind schedule here. We'll go ahead and take that timeout. We'll come back and we'll get into our VonJewelry.com Twitter poll questions for this Friday. That before we have an interview with new Northwest Central Conference Commissioner Jerry Cooper. All that and more on today's edition of Cooking the Monster on Lima Sports Radio, 93.1 The Fan. Welcome back inside the Basement Doctor Studio, 419-227-9393, 888-894-ESPN. That's 888-894-3776 are the numbers to use to reach the program. And we are at the point in the show when we get to our VonsJewelry.com Twitter poll questions each day. Yes, sir. We've got two questions up at 931 the fan on Twitter that we want your thoughts, feelings, reactions, ballots on. You can vote in until 545. They're brought to you by Vons Diamonds and Jewelry, where Lima celebrates love online at VonsJewelry.com. The first question, ESPN has placed the Browns 2022 win total over under at 9.5. Is that too high, too low, or just right? 50% say just right. And there are 31% who say too high. That's the part that I guess I find interesting. Oh, that's typical Browns fans right there. Have they gotten back after just one short year to becoming the group that is afraid to have optimism and expectation? No, I think it's... I mean, a year ago right now, it was Super Bowl or bust, baby. Correct. Right? That nine and a half would have been insulting. Uh, entirely. A year, a, a year ago. Entirely. And then that didn't go very And all well. they've done is replace Baker Mayfield with Deshaun Watson, so... I, I, I do wonder, are, are Browns fans operating with the idea that Deshaun Watson is going to play 17 games. Uh, they can't be. I, that's my. They certainly couldn't be voting in that poll with that mindset. Uh, and not, if, if you're 31% saying that is too high, are you assuming that Jacoby Brissett is playing six games, 10 games? I would think so. L- let me ask you a question. I didn't watch the schedule release show last night. Not a single second of it. Neither I did said. I. Okay, well. Well, uh, uh, you, the, the world, you saw the video. The, the world's worst word was mentioned in my... I, I got seven bags of mulch. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> I wish I had that excuse. I was just chasing four-year-old three and almost four-year-old. I, I listened to it. Qu- question is this for me. It, if, if Let's say six games. The Browns have to play without Deshaun Watson at mm-hmm. quarterback. I don't know what their first six games looks like because I didn't watch the schedule release. But you, you can tell me. I would like to know if you look at that first six games. If, if the Browns play the way Kevin Stefanski wants to play football and are effective at it, is there any team in that first six games that you look at and say, Jacoby Brissett's not good enough to beat that team? Chargers? I think that's probably fair. Their, their first six games at Carolina. I could quarterback them. Jets? At home. There'll be a lot of optimism, but if the Browns play football the, the, Brown, the way the Browns want to play, that's a win. Right. Steelers. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even get a word. No. Falcons. Okay. Next. Chargers. 
Okay, you're right so far. New England. Yeah, they 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 could Jacoby Prezet, Jacoby Brissett could lead the Browns to a win over the Patriots. But how many teams are going to have a greater idea of how to attack Jacoby Brissett and absolutely destroy the offense that he's leading better than the Patriots? Fair. I I think I that's six games. I think four and two would be almost a disappointment if you're not three and three is certainly acceptable out of that, and five and one is possible. So then that makes that nine and a half feel a little different to me. That's, that's assuming he misses six games, and I don't think he's going to miss more than that. Now the the back half gets a little treacherous. Baltimore, Cincinnati, bye week. At Dolphins, which by week 10 is Tua Tungavailoa still the starting quarterback of the Miami Dolphins? I, think, I don't think anybody can give you any sort of confident answer to that question. <laughs> I don't think the answer to that question is yes. <laughs> then they're at Buffalo. Tampa Bay, at Houston. Ooh, at, that's a stretch. At Cincinnati, Baltimore, New Orleans, Washington, Pittsburgh. At Pittsburgh. At Washington, at Pittsburgh. Hey, I got to tell you something, though, based on what you just read me. That Houston game, that's a sandwich game that could be scary. Oh, no, there's that's a that's a stretch where Buffalo, Tampa, Houston, Cincinnati. Right. Where now... Tampa, Houston, Cincy. I mean, it's the NFL. You're not going to be geared up for that Houston game. Well, I don't care. Right. Buffalo, Tampa, Houston, Cincy. You got two of the teams with the highest, the two teams with the highest win total projections are Buffalo and Tampa Bay. And then you get the lowly Houston Texans. So nine and a half, but so far, most of our fans either say it's just right or too high. On the flip side of that, ESPN has placed the Bengals' 2022 win total over-under at 9.5. Is that too high, too low, or just right? 56% say it's just right. But 32% say it's too low. That is interesting to me. That's essentially the reversal of the too high, too low total for the Browns. Yeah. It's 32% of your of Bengals fans feel like that's, you know, we're being disrespected. We're, we're super optimistic. 32% Browns fans are going, I don't, I don't think so. So what's your take on both? Nine and a half Bengals, nine and a half Browns? I think I think that the Browns is just right. I think the but Bengals... But it can't be. It's nine and a half. Uh, that's, <laughs> I, believe me, I thought while putting while typing this out, like I'm going to get somebody to go, well, actually... <laughs> I don't like well, actually, folks. Well, actually, yeah, I don't like them. I think the Browns is just right. I think that is the. They are either going to win nine or they're going to win ten. Right. I want to tell you that the Bengals is too low, but I think it's too high. I think nine and a half is too high for the Bengals, and I would love to sit here in February and say, boy, do you remember when I said the Bengals weren't going to win nine and a half games? Holy cow. I just, you see what happens to the team that loses the Super Bowl. Yep. And I find it very hard to think that the Bengals can replicate that again. And that's not disrespect. It's not. No, that's about what happens with healthy players versus unhealthy players. That Super Bowl hangover just, it lingers. 
Plus, you then get the detriment of playing the you know the other number one seat, the other the teams who won the divisions in the AFC last year. Plus, your non-conference slate is Cowboys, Saints. You, you got the Chiefs, Buccaneers, Bills. Say, save this to play back to me in November when it can be crammed down my throat that I'm completely an idiot. But I think 10 is the absolute regular season ceiling for both teams. I don't think that's crazy. And I think both teams could be incredibly dangerous in the playoffs. But I think 10 regular season wins would be the ceiling for both teams. And therefore, I will say that they are. it's too high for both. Because I, I, I don't know that they can get to 10. And one of them probably going to, but I don't think they're both going to. If I sat down and just stared at the standings, not even just the schedules, if I just sat and stared at the standings, could I pick eight teams in the AFC who could probably win, who, who I would almost put money on the table would win 10 games right now? Yeah. Now, obviously, that's not going to happen. Right. But do the, can the Chargers win 10 games? Yeah. Can the Bengals win 10 games? The Ravens, Browns, Colts, Titans... Patriots, Bills, there's not going to be a playoff spot for everybody. And in all likelihood, there's going to be somebody, Chiefs, I didn't say, oh, I didn't say the Chiefs. There, In all likelihood, you're going to have some playoff turnover from teams who didn't make it last year that are going to make it this year. See, now you're taking our July conversation. We need to shelve some of this. It's just like, oh, I just think nine and a half for the Bengals seems high to me. And for the Browns? I think... I think it's just right, right. Just right. Because can and it's that six game stretch where conceivably you're starting the season without Deshaun Watson. Can Jacoby Brissett go four and two in that six game stretch? I think he can. I think he can. I think the answer is yes, one hundred percent. He can if their offensive line and their running back stay healthy. I know he can. Yeah. So those are our questions at nine three on a fan on Twitter. Brought to you by Von's Diamonds and Jewelry, where Lima celebrates love online at vonsjewelry.com. Time for us to step aside for another Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout. When we come back, we're going to have our first visit with the newly minted commissioner of the Northwest Central Conference, one Jerry Cooper, head football coach at Shawnee, now also the commissioner of the Northwest Central Conference, will be joining us on the AmeriFirst Home Mortgage Hotline after this Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout right here on Lima Sports Radio, 93.1 The Fan. Garrett, I'm not a thousand percent sure that's not the absolute best description of this show that's ever been put out over the airwaves. We try to give you the things you absolutely need. We are going to give you a lot of things that you don't need, and it is our hope that you will enjoy some of them. Some of them are just doing because we enjoy it. Right. But I'm not trying to entertain anybody but no, me. No, <laughs> but if you enjoy it too, then then our voice of God a little lead in there is pretty accurate. And I suppose this next segment falls into the category of things that you don't necessarily need, but I think you would certainly enjoy the conversation yeah. we're about to have. We're going to go to the AmeriFirst Home Mortgage Hotline, and we're going to welcome in, in a new capacity to the program, Jerry Cooper, the head football coach at Shawnee, is now the commissioner of the Northwest Central Conference. Coop, how's it going today? Hey, just fine. Uh, we're on our way to Van Works to the WBL track meet. So if I lose you, it's because we're getting out in the recesses of Van Wert County. <laughs> well, before we get let you get too far that way, let me just start with this question. How does this come about? Did they approach you? Did you approach them? How do we get the road started that ended with you as the commissioner of the NWCC? Well, I kind of reached out to them. You know, uh, Aaron Matthews was the was the commissioner of that conference. And let's start by saying, hey, nobody can replace Aaron Matthews. He was truly a legend. Did a great job, not only as a commissioner, but you know, with the with the media in and providing 
all the member schools of that conference with some exposure. And, um, you know, it, it'll certainly no one can replace Aaron. So that that's kind of where we start. And after he passed, they, they posted the position. And I don't know whether you know this, Garrett, but I had retired from teaching, and I'm still coaching football and mm-hmm. still running the weight room at, at Shawnee High School. But I uh, was kind of looking for something to do. My wife still teaches. And so I reached out to the Northwest Central Conference, and luckily I got an interview, and they kind of liked some of the things we had to say. So we found a common ground, and Wednesday they announced that I was going to be the commissioner of the Northwest Central Conference. Well, congratulations to you. The announcement, I think, may have been surprising to some. I think it's an outstanding situation for both the league and for you. Uh, I guess you, you've been around coaching circles and coached in a lot of different leagues. Do you do you recall having a relationship with your league commissioner at any point? Is there any part of your past and your involvement in athletics that will shape how you go about trying to do this job? Yeah, to be honest with you, uh, the, the one I remember the most uh, – prevalent was when Mike Mullen was a commissioner of the Northwest Conference. And, you know, Lana Central Kathy got embroiled in a little bit of controversy. The league schools wanted to remove LCC from the conference. And Mike Mullen was a conference commissioner. And we had numerous communications with him about, you know, what can we do and, and how do we handle these situations? And, and I think what happens ultimately is the member schools in every conference, they have to figure out what's best for their conference and for their individual member schools. And then you kind of work from there. And, uh, you know, I, I think with my experience at some of the smaller schools and having been in a lot of different schools, I think I bring some experience to that conference commissioner's position that may help some of those small schools find what they're looking for. Jerry Cooper joining us on the AmeriFirst Home Mortgage Hotline. Shawnee football coach, new commissioner of the Northwest Central Conference. And, and Jerry, I, I realize this might be an unfair question as you start the job, but what are, what are, those, what are the strengths of the NWCC and, and where, where maybe some of the areas for growth or, or opportunity for the league as a whole? Well, the strength always is in the member schools that are there. And one of the things that they're really looking for is stability. And, and, you know, if you follow local sports in the area, you realize that that Northwest Central Conference, even though it's a relatively new conference, has had a lot of in and out of their conference, you know, teams joining and teams leaving. And, and the member schools are really looking for a place to find where they can call home. They all find a common ground against schools that they feel like they can compete against and create some stability for the league so that ultimately all the schools in that in that league feel really confident that they're going to be able to continue to provide great educational opportunities for the student athletes that that belong to those member schools coach you mentioned that you are retired from teaching still coaching and doing the weight room and now taking this on i'm assuming that there is the potential maybe for a little bit of schedule juggling to have to take place during the heavy part of the fall season for you you've got a plan in place for that how do you see yourself managing any conflict that might come up with your coaching versus what's going on with the league responsibilities that you have you know one of the things i share with those guys is i had every intention of keeping my coaching position at shawnee and if that was a conflict then they needed to let me know and you know, then I would withdraw from consideration. And they felt like there wasn't that many activities that would interfere where you would have to be, you know, would interfere with your ability to coach high school football. So, you know, we found a common ground. And I, I'm really looking forward to maybe seeing if uh, if the schools in the Northwest Central Conference can uh, can really bond together and, and find some real common ground and maybe uh, consider 
doing things a little bit different and maybe some things that we consider to be, uh, I like the word different by design, maybe do some things that, that we design to be different. And just because everybody else, nobody else does that doesn't mean that that's not best for the Northwest Central Conference. Coach, it is incredibly exciting news for the league. I think it's exciting news for you. We wish you nothing but the best, and I wish you well over there in Van Wert tonight and look forward to talking to you more as we get closer to the fall as well. Yeah, hey, Garrett, uh, you know, that WBL track meet is always a really good event and just trying to support all the kids in the league. And, and I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to work with all the schools in the Northwest Central Conference and see if we can help those guys find some stability and, and bring, bring a little bit more prosperity to the conference and see if, uh, see if all those member schools can't succeed at the very best they can. Thanks much for your time, Coach. Good luck to you. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, thanks, Garrett. Jerry Cooper, new commissioner of the Northwest Central Conference, join us on the AmeriFirst Home Mortgage Hotline. There's only, I suppose, a thousand different ways you can see something like this. I I choose to look at it as if Jerry Cooper's proven one thing over his long career in education and athletics, it's that leadership is a strong suit of his. And as a conference commissioner in a conference like that one that is seeking out stability and growth opportunities and things like that, I think that's a, a very, very good marriage. Obviously, it's uh, it, it creates some real credibility within the league to have someone like that affiliated with the league. But uh, we got to let it play out and see how it goes. But I think from a leadership standpoint, I'm not sure they could have done better. No, I, I think you, you, one, get a guy with a lot of knowledge and experience who's seen a whole lot of stuff in his time and has, has dealt with a whole lot of stuff in his time. And is, is, I, I don't think ever been really super brash or rush to judgment or anything like that he's pretty good about making pretty smart and wise decisions so i think they they get a guy who and i think he's right that the one thing that the nwcc needs and is going to need is stability and coming into that knowing hey we're gonna need some stability is, is a pretty smart way to operate going forward well, I think it's a good hire. I think it's an interesting time for, for that league as a whole. Obviously, the, the, the changes in conferences in our area we've talked about within recent weeks here on the program is something that they're going to battle in that conference, but they've got a, they've got a guy in a leadership position that knows a little bit about leadership, and they've got, I think, some leadership. A lot of the leadership positions in their membership schools are on incredibly solid footing as well. Should be a good marriage, and we'll look forward to seeing how things unfold for the NWCC going forward. We're going to take our next Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout. And when we come back, we're going to chat a little baseball with you. Garrett made a statement yesterday about the Reds and their pitching staff and what would be necessary for them to get out of the basement in terms of Team ERA. Well, they got a little bit of a good start on that last night. Yeah. I don't know if it's sustainable, but they got their, they got a good start. We'll chat about what's going on down in the Queen City and the possibility that maybe Garrett and I will look a little bit foolish here in a handful of months with our predictions. We'll see about that. We'll see about that. Hope you'll join us for that after this Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout. I'm John Cook. He's Garrett Seawright. And we are Cookie and the Monster on Lima Sports Radio, 93.1 The Fan. Hey, Garrett, don't look now, but the Cincinnati Reds are only four games out of fourth. (laughs) (laughs) I know. We shouldn't make fun of a team that's trying to do the little engine that could kind of thing. They're 5-5 and in their last 10. You know what? You got to take them or you can get them. Have they won? But I thought they had won six out of eight. They'd won five of seven. And they won last night. Yes. Uh, so it goes back to maybe I was wrong. Hell, I don't know. That's, no, I think I thought they had won five of seven, which I suppose is still. You were you know obviously lost three straight before that, but at any rate, they've lost, they've won six of eight. They are now eight and twenty four. 
They've won six of eight to get to eight twenty four. But you said yesterday, right here on these airwaves, that that you had read a statistic that they have the worst ERA in the major leagues, and they would need eighty consecutive scoreless innings to get out of last place. Yeah, eighty consecutive. Well, they got they got nine last night, so now they only need seventy one more. <laughs> That's it. Connor Overton is a name that I had only read in print. Could not have told you anything about Connor Overton. <laughs> so okay, so even after last night. The Reds' team ERA is 6.40. The Pirates are in 29th with a 4.78. <laughs> that is how far back they are still after throwing a shutout last night. I'm just scrolling down through things here. And I'm looking at the, the category on ESPN.com of runs against. In other words, runs given up. And I see a team at 135 and a team at 134. I see a te- another team at 134. Oh, look, there's a team at 137, 136. That, that National League East, they give up some runs. Here's a team at 166. And there's a team at 162 in the Colorado Rockies. The Reds have given up 200 runs. He said 200 200. Well, so when 168 is bad, you've given up 200. The Pirates have given up 166. The Reds have given up 200. The Reds have eight wins, and three of them are against the Pirates. Yep. Do you think if you're a Pirate, you're looking at the stats every day saying, but see, we are better. See? See, we are better. <laughs> look, look, right look, look at our numbers. The Pirates are 13 and 18. The Reds are 8 and 24. And I, I'm saying all that to say, first of all, congratulations to Connor Overton. Go out, do what he did earned last it. night. They earned it. Now, there there is a segment out there that I think maybe 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 it's possible that we're going to do in September. We're going to say, can you believe the turnaround that this team has made? And and is it possible in September we are saying if they were if they were just god awful at the start of the season, they they might be in a position to do something here instead of you know historically bad. But I, I just can't. I, I, I feel like we're just setting ourselves up for another. Like I don't know that they're going to lose another twelve in a row or something here in the in the near future because they got the Pirates a little bit left. But I want to find optimism in what we're seeing, and I don't want it to be completely impossible for me to do so just based on the fact that they were two and twenty-two at one time, or whatever. I think it was two and twenty-two, yeah. and they were staring down two and. You, you asked me, can they get to two and thirty? Or, or David oh, Bell keep I, his I believe job. your question was: Is he does he get fired before it's two and thirty, or does he keep his job if they get to two and thirty? I mean, you can't be two and thirty. No, you can't. <laughs> you be. can't be two and thirty and have your job. I don't care if it's Aaron Boone or Tony Larusa or I, whoever Joe Girardi. You can whoever highly Terry Francona can't be two and thirty and keep his job. You know, they're only two games behind the Nationals in the loss column. I did not know that. Yeah, they're only two games behind the Nationals in the loss column. Now, they're not in the same division, so I don't know why it matters. Because it's a race to see who can be historically worse. The Reds are 12 games back in their division. The, the Nationals are 11 games back in their division. Every team in the NL West is above 500. And the, the Reds are 8-24. and 24. What's, the, what's, the, what's the record they're trying to avoid? What's the worst record in Major League Baseball I think history? Forty it, By win percentage, I think it was 40-122. and 40-122. 
What I, I said they were going to win 50 games. I did not have any real confidence in that whatsoever <laughs> when I said it. I was just trying to trying to kind of talk yourself su- super <laughs> superimpose the 112 losses over the 112 wins that I believe is is a major league record. I think they might get to 50 wins. Might get to 50 wins. But even isn't that the problem? Sitting here going, I think they might get to 50. Yeah, that's that's definitely a problem. Isn't that the issue? <laughs> Yeah. Is just how bad on I think on Wednesday they were on pace to lose 126 games. So the worst, yeah, the worst, the worst record since the expansion era. The 1962 Mets went 40 and 120, and the Reds are on pace to lose 126. 40 and 122. 40 and 120. They only played one sixty. I think they had a they had a couple games rained out, oh, okay. and by that time you're forty and one twenty. Who gives a damn if you, if you make them well, up? By my math, they've played one fifth of the season essentially at this point, and they've got eight wins. So they're right there. <laughs> they got to get high. I mean, they, they just they're on pace for forty. <laughs> How many more times <laughs> they play the Pirates? <laughs> That's what you gotta ask. <laughs> We shouldn't be so hard on congratulations to Connor Overton and the Reds. They get a shutout win last night, and they are uh, improving six out of eight for the Red Legs. Looking ahead to the weekend, we're going to take another Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout. When we come back, it'll be time to reset those Twitter poll questions and get ready for Monday's headlines today. John and Garrett, Cooking the Monster, Lima Sports Radio, 93.1 The Fan. And hour number two, straight ahead here on Lima Sports Radio, 93.1 The Fan. I'm John Cook. My co-host is Garrett Seawright. Together, we are Cookie and the Monster. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you missed Hour 1, it was a quickie, and we appreciate Jerry Cooper, new commissioner of the Northwest Central Conference, for joining us on the AmeriFirst Home Mortgage Hotline to talk about his latest venture and how it fits into the things that he is going to continue to do, obviously leading the football program at Shawnee at the top of that priority list. But it's the top of hour number two. That means we've got to get back to our bondsjewelry.com Twitter poll questions and get you a quick reset. Yes, sir. we got two questions at 931thefan on Twitter that you can vote in until 545. The first question, ESPN has placed the Browns' 2022 win total over under at 9.5. Is that too high, too low, or just right? It's too high. Right now, 50% are saying it is just right with 32% coming in at too high. And our other Von's, uh, Von's Dimes and Jewelry Twitter poll question, it's where Lima celebrates love, online at Von'sJewelry.com, is same question for the Bengals. Nine and a half is the over-under. Is that too high, too low, or just right? 51% say it's just right, with 38% now saying it's too low. Number's growing. That is an optimistic crew. That it is. And, and that's not a knock. No, I, just, not at all. Not at all. I think they've earned their optimism. I, I just think that it's... There's also going to be a crew down in Baltimore that's really itching to get going and pretty optimistic because they can hopefully stay healthy. And there's a group in Cleveland that, as quiet as they may be trying to keep it, they've got a quarterback that they think can get them over the top, and they've got a roster outside of that position that was built to win before he got there. Super Bowl hangover, man. I don't don't disagree. I I would love for once for it to not rear its ugly head because I don't want to see this franchise... Go, go back, back into to, that direction, right, right. but there's a lot of uh, empirical data <laughs> that would say <laughs> that, that it's su- likely. Suggest otherwise. Yeah. Monday's headlines today is a staple of our Friday programs, and it is a staple largely because, well, we need 
we need segments. We and the weekend, content, baby. the weekend always has sports. It's also become quite the tradition in the, what have we been on the air? Nine months, ten months, I don't uh, know, eight months, nine, nine months, months. Nine months. We've been on the air. We've, <laughs> we've had some weekends, man. We've yeah. had some. Yeah. But 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 traditionally, this is this is where we tell you what's going to happen, and you could go bet money on the opposite, and and probably and do all be right. well ahead. You got your you got anything written down? I got three. I got four, just just in case. <laughs> I like to have a tiebreaker, in case we're we're even after three. So you go ahead and go. I went first last week. I got Reds plunder sweep from Pirates. They're winning four against the Buckos. Hot damn! That's what I got. Red hot Cincy sweeps Pirates and heads to Cleveland. Uh, are they going to right the ship? No. But, <laughs> but they are sw- going to sweep right, Pittsburgh. But sweeping the Pirates will get you a heck of a lot closer to that, that on pace for 50. I'll tell you what. <laughs> Which is just <laughs> such a horrible <laughs> sentence. <It's> like, <laughs> we can get them on pace to 50, I think. Like, they're going to win 50, right? Oh, boy. Last Friday when we sat in this studio, if I would have said to you, by one week from today, the Reds will have a chance to have 12 wins on Monday. I'd have thought you were high on crack cocaine. <laughs> I would have done the math and said, no, it's not. It's actually not right, a possibility. It's, right, it's physically impossible. <laughs> but here we are. Uh, here we are. We are in agreement, which I think is probably the greatest indication that that's not going yep. to happen that we could give you. But he said it, and I said it, and we did not speak about our headlines before we sat down here. Bookmark a Pirates win tonight. I've got the Suns escape the Mavs. We'll take on the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. I think that's a pretty safe bet. I feel you I feel you should feel pretty strongly about that one coming true. As God is my witness and I'll show you the paper, I crossed out after Suns escape Mavs await game 7 winner. <laughs> I just can't quite pull the trigger on the Grizz winning tonight. I I yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't feel great. But I, if they do, you're going to have seen the evidence that I had it written down and crossed it out. If the Grizzlies win that series, I just think they can force a game seven. If, I don't know that. I don't even think if they going if, if they win the series, Sacramento Kings got to fire Mike Brown, right? You can't hire that dude. Can't happen. <laughs> I even the Sacramento Kings and all of their PR loveliness, they, they're not going to do that. And you got to think about it, right? Yeah, yeah. It it does. It reminds me of a. There, there was a time once upon a lifetime when I was an athletic director. Garrett, a couple different places, and one one day as the AD, I had made the decision I was going to watch our coaches run practices and just try to be plugged into what they were doing, and, and so I went to the first basketball practice of the year, and I went to my principal the next day and said, we, we've got to make a change today. Oh, boy. <laughs> and my principal said, we can't do that. I said, well, we need to. And I said, I have a feeling, unless I'm completely wrong, we're either going to do it today or we're going to do it in February. <laughs> and you did it in February? In February. <laughs> February couldn't come we, soon we, enough. We did what we did in February. Well, we, we learned some things after the fact. And the principal came back to me and said, you know, we should have just done what you said. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And, and, and I don't think Sacramento is going to pull the trigger, but there may come a time that they think, we had our chance. Right. When did you know? When did you we, know you needed to out. do this? When they lost to the Grizzlies in the Western Conference semis, and he wasn't even working for us. <laughs> I think would be a strong one. Uh, my second headline is: What you talking about, Willis? Guardians take two of three from Twins behind interim manager. Old Carl Willis going to lead the tri- Guardians 
to a Tri-Guardians to, to, tri to a two or three meatloafing of the Twins this weekend. And they're going to keep somewhat pace of being within striking distance in the AL Central. So give me the Guardians winning two or three this weekend. How about your third headline? I got Leafs lit up by lightning. Two-time reigning champs rain on Toronto's parade dreams. The Toronto Maple Leafs are the Dallas Cowboys of the NHL, where they're, you know, the the most popular team, yeah, in, in Canada. But they haven't won they haven't won a playoff series since two thousand four. I, I I was fourteen years old the last time the Toronto Maple Leafs won a playoff series, and they were up last night in a in a series clinching game on the road, blew a lead. And now it goes to Game 7, where they are absolutely going to get shellacked by the Lightning tomorrow. It's going to be <laughs> disgusting, and it will be fodder for the NHL fans' type media types for the entire offseason. You had a lead in Game 6 that you could have won, and you're going to lose tomorrow probably 7-2. to two. <laughs> And it's going to be spectacular, and I cannot wait to watch it. You might get me to watch now just based it's, on your description you, of how this thing is going to They unfold. are going to fold like a napkin in Game 7 and it will be phenomenal. My third headline is based around the fact that today Daryl Morey announced that Doc Rivers will return as the Sixers head coach. There's been an obviously a tremendous amount of discussion about Doc Rivers' performance as a coach maybe not just in philly obviously the record the, the track record of blowing series leads and things although that wasn't the issue here they actually were behind early in the series and came back and made a relative series of it but doc has taken to the microphone to defend himself and defend his strongly very much so repeatedly over the last a couple of weeks and and, and again last night de- defending himself and his his abilities as a coach and I say all that to say this isn't probably going to happen, but if it does, I want to be the guy that said it was going to. And I don't have a fancy way to dress this up. The Lakers hired Doc Rivers <laughs> as their head coach. Uh, the man's got a house in L.A. There's been some discussion on national radio about the fact that he's got a house in L.A. He's already coached the Clippers. If James Harden is going to stay, and it would appear that if Daryl Morey is calling the shots, James Harden is going to stay in Philly, and it's going to cost him a whole bunch of money to keep him. If we want to talk about Doc Rivers' track record of blowing big leads and, and, and imploding in the playoffs, James Harden is the player version of Doc Rivers. Yeah. The, the number of high-stakes games in which he has failed to deliver in spectacular fashion during his career should be cataloged, and we could do a 30-for-30 30 30 on that. Um, and I think James Harden is not going to ever recover what we came to see as James Harden right. in his prime. I think Joel Embiid is going to want out of Philly at some point because they've not done what they can to help him have enough around him to win. And I think Doc's an employable guy. The Lakers need a coach. So that's my, my bold prediction. You want to hear my fourth headline? I, I do, but before we do that, okay, it, did they announce Doc Rivers is coming back because Jay Wright already told him no? I, I would assume so. Like, did they... They kicked those tires. Well, I would assume they kicked those tires last night around midnight. But yeah, like you already have kicked the tires, and Jay said, "Hey, I, I was serious when I said I'm taking some time off." They're like, well, what if we back to Brinkstra? I am serious when I take. I'm taking some time off. I don't want you to mention a number because I might 
might have to consider it. Right. Never tell you the Lon Kruger story. Remember when Lon Kruger was the coach at Illinois? Yeah. So he gets invited to interview with the Atlanta Hawks. And and he, I got this story third hand. So the person that's (laughs) the person that's telling the story is a friend of somebody who I'm very close to. Lives in Illinois, and so we have a mutual friend. And this person relays the story to my friend. My friend relays it to me. That Lon calls this guy who's also his buddy and says, "Hey, can we? Can you keep the kids for a few days? We're going to go to Atlanta and check this thing out." He goes, "You're not." really going to go to Atlanta. He goes, hell no, we're not going to go, but we got to at least find out what it's about and it's on their dime. We're going to go check it out. And two or three days go by on the day they're supposed to be coming back and he's like, hey, hang on to the kids for another day. We're we're, we're getting ready to sign a contract here. We're going to be coming to Atlanta. And he's like, what? What What happened? You said you weren't going, what? He said, they gave me $10 million. (laughs) He said, we're we're going to come to Atlanta. And that's kind of how that worked. I, I, I don't know that Jay Wright would be that kind of person. But we're, we're yeah, all you seen kind of that. Suits? We're all yeah, we're all kind of that kind of person. Oh, 100%. Uh, we've all said, "Oh, I, I could never work there." Until there is an option. Yes, until there is <laughs> until an there says, "How about this?" My fourth headline. I don't know why because I don't ever talk about golf. So, as it stands right now at the Byron Nelson, Scotty Scheffler's leading. Yeah, I, I is he hot? I, I don't I, know. No, he's not. A guy named Ryan Palmer's in the lead. But just uh, no, not uh, Jordan Spieth is sitting. I think four shots back. I'm just gonna call it right now. Jordan Spieth come from behind winner at the Byron Nelson. Somebody ought to call me. And let me know if that happened on Sunday because I probably won't be watching. <laughs> but I made that prediction, so we'll be sure to check that out. That is our Monday's headlines today. I'm sure they'll go spectacularly well because they yep. always do. Yes, sir. And we'll fill you back in on Monday's show. We got to take another Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout so we can get back for football at five fifteen. John Garrett. Cookie and the Monster, Lima Sports Radio, 93.1 The Fan. Back inside the basement, Dr. Studio, time for football at 5.15. And Service Master Richard Service welcomes you to football at 5.15. Hard work, determination, and sportsmanship create opportunities to be your best. Like Bear Bryant said, it's not the will to win, but it's the will to prepare to win that makes a difference. And that's why at Service Master, they don't cut corners, they clean them. Bruce Feldman of The Athletic published a story today where he talked about how College football's kind of power brokers went through the process of filling out their coaching staffs during this offseason. And obviously Michigan's defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald, left to go back to the Baltimore Ravens, and so they had defensive coordinator job open. Well, Bruce Feldman included the nugget that during the interviews for Michigan's defensive coordinator jobs, the one thing Jim Harbaugh required of the interviewees was a game plan for how they would stop Ohio State and Michigan State. And I found that incredibly interesting. I think that's fascinating. Is that a way of saying, I need game plans to stop Ohio State and Michigan State, but what it really means is I need to see how you want to defend teams that like to spread it out and throw it a whole bunch and teams that would prefer to just get behind the big uglies and run it a bunch? And you can put names on it by calling it Ohio State and Michigan State? Yes and no. I think, one, you are signaling to your you're signaling to your interviewee this better matter to you because <laughs> it's going to matter. It's going it's going to matter to us and it's going to matter to our people way more than any other any other game on our schedule is those two games. 
Nobody's going to care what happens against Indiana for the most part. Nobody cares how you perform against Illinois or Minnesota or Rutgers or Maryland. Matters what you do the Saturday after Thanksgiving and whenever the hell they tell us we're playing Michigan State. <laughs> and I, I, I find it, I, I almost think it's kind of impressive of like, hey, I, because he, he didn't, his hubris got in the way the first, what, seven times he tried to beat Ohio State of, well, I'm so great, it's going to happen. And then, oh boy, this is harder than I thought. And now if Jim Harbaugh's made it a priority of we are going to beat Michigan State and we are going to beat Ohio State. Now, mission accomplished on one of them in 2021. But you're signaling to the person who's interviewing you. If you, ha- if you haven't figured it out, these two are the real important ones. And I want to know whether we would have won or lost with you last year. I I just th- I think it is fascinating. And Bruce Feldman has enough of a reputation that I don't think too many people are going to doubt the veracity of what, right. what he claims here, I don't think. Um, I guess I'm a little bit kind of puzzled by the idea that now that you got the win against Ohio State, that, that it's suddenly now it's the most important thing. Well, I, I mean, mean when, when you interviewed when you interviewed the, the the guys before that you, you when you made hires when you when you interviewed McDonald when you hired him before he left was this a part of the conversation and we just didn't know it or because they got the win now it's like we got to keep this going that, and that leads me to my second question that really isn't related to the game plan part of the interview process but I just want your take on this because we're two guys chopping it up about Buckeye football in Michigan if Jim Harbaugh God I don't even like to say this out loud. If he beats Ohio State six years in a row and loses to Michigan State every one of those years, is he in trouble? No. If he beats Michigan State six times in a row and loses to Ohio State, he's fired. Yes. So that Michigan State well, game is really not Well, I guess not probably not technically, right? Because didn't he lose to Michigan State? Well, I mean, again, I mean now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, going forward. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's got one over Ohio State. If he beats him five more times, but he loses to Michigan State every one of those years, is he in trouble? Versus no. if Ohio State proceeds from after last year to go forward and win six straight, and but he beats Sparty for the next six. Does that matter? Because I don't, I, I, I don't know how the, I can't get my head around the Michigan State Michigan rivalry because we don't have we Ohio State fans don't have we get the Michigan rivalry we don't have little brother, right? We got and that's how they distance, refer to right distant second Penn State as Ohio State's second biggest rival, but Michigan State Michigan is a I, I've heard Michigan fans say I, I I hate Ohio State but I respect Ohio State. I hate Michigan State. I don't respect them at all. <laughs> God, I, don't, I don't respect Michigan State. I hate Michigan State. But a loss to Michigan State and a win over Ohio State last year was enough to get to be Big Ten champs. Right. If that continues to happen, probably okay. But our, what does it do to the fan base? Does it matter? I don't know. I mean, what it comes down to for me is if, if I'm evaluating Michigan football... I think maybe it's biased because I feel this way from the Ohio State perspective, but trying to project what I see from Michigan, they they can do what they did last year every year, and everybody's not win the Big Ten necessarily, but right. But the the Sparty loss and the Buckeye win, if that were a sustainable thing for a five to ten year period, where they maybe lose once or twice in Columbus, but they lose to Sparty every year, and they I I don't know that it's going to be a problem. The other way around is going to be huge. Yeah, if you and and I think the Michigan State portion of that gets coupled in with if you're losing to Ohio State 
and Michigan State, right, which is what right, right. You, you were losing to Ohio State, Michigan State, and Notre Dame. Yeah, you, you were you were doing a great job of beating the everybody, right? The the the, the nobodies. But when push came to shove and you got in a big game, it didn't go your way. Who do you hire as his defensive coordinator anyway? Um, the Mike or not Mike Minter, Jesse Minter, Jesse who Minter. was the defensive coordinator for Vanderbilt, who had the 120th best defense in the country last year. Which I understand it's Vanderbilt and the SEC, but still, you went from Mike McDonald, who so Ohio made your State hired Ohio little, State hired Jim Knowles. Yeah, who had, th- th- there'll be a lot surrounding that. I remember reading who Michigan hired for their defensive coordinator, and I don't remember knowing the guy's name 45 seconds after I read it. And now, maybe maybe he's still a, I, maybe he comes in and they're like, oh, wow, look at that Michigan defense. You're 120th in the country. Uh, Do you think there's anything to the, I don't know what the right word is, maybe the um, Ohio State apologists who who will have you believe, and there are many of them out there, who will have you to believe that the the week leading up to the game in Michigan last year was filled with far more than we actually know as far as sickness and players who couldn't practice and couldn't and were you know, were getting IVs on the bus? I, I I have talked to a couple of people within the last week who tell me yes it happened yes it was a blip and we're absolutely going to go back to boat racing those guys just wait just watch. I would say that there's probably some truth to that. We got to have some Michigan fans listening out there that think we are absolutely full. I, I'm not well, saying like, no, I believe. I, 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 I'm I saying it's been it's been said to me that way, and I'm interested in what people's take is on that. I, I think there's truth to the. There were a lot of critical pieces that were sick and under the weather going into the game. I also think, and I I, I try to be fair. It's difficult. Try to be <laughs> fair. Jim Harbaugh hired an absolute mastermind as a defensive coordinator who revolutionized the way they play defense because under Don Brown, Michigan played defense like morons. I love Don Brown. <laughs> like absolute buffoons. I think Don Brown and John Cooper should start a podcast. How <laughs> not to coach football. Uh, but the, the, under Don Brown, they played defense like idiots. And so Jim Harbaugh brings in a dude who's like, hey, I got this revolutionary idea. We're going to rush the passer. And it worked. <laughs> they they played defense like it's 2022 and not 1982, and things went really well for them. He's gone. I don't know what Jesse Minter does. I don't know how. I, you know, I don't. I don't have a good feel for what their defense looks like under him. I watched the Michigan spring game. You did. I didn't. I did. Um, God love you. It was a Saturday, at like 11 o'clock in the morning. Nothing else on. Like, I'll, I'll turn this on. And they looked fine. You know, it's a spring game. I'm not going to sit there and have... One of the teams looked really good. <laughs> but defensively, they looked all right. I think Mike McDonald made a big difference in the game last year. Whether that holds with a new defensive coordinator, I don't know. But I look forward to finding out, I guess. I thought we just got beat up by their offensive line, and I thought the Buckeyes laid down and quit I mean, there's a, at some point. There's a play that Aiden Hutchinson... Eight Paris Johnson's lunch that just bull rushed him and made him look just silly. And that was kind of the quintessential. Their defensive line shoved our offensive line around, and their offensive line shoved our defensive line around. Yeah, it was a it was a physical. Weapon, I didn't so. enjoy. I don't. Is this is this therapy we, on the radio? Right yeah, now? We, we don't we don't need to revisit that. I suppose. 
But it was Harbaugh's interview question. Give me a game plan to beat Ohio State. Give me a game plan to beat Michigan State. I find that interesting that a guy from Vanderbilt was able to declare himself the winner in that little I contest. Guess so. Yeah, I, I guess so. <laughs> Shouldn't be quite so shallow and judgmental, but why not? <laughs> but it's here a Friday we are. afternoon. We're on the air. <laughs> yep. we got to get to another Don Jiggins Jeweler timeout so we can come back and have a little extended conversation on this over-under win total of 9.5 for both the Browns and the Bengals. We'll give you our thoughts. You want to share yours? You can. 419-227-9393-1888-894-3776. That's 888-894-ESPN. John Cook, Garrett Seawright, Cookie and the Monster on Lima Sports Radio, 93.1 The Fan. I think we're more smidgen sports brain and massive rabble-rousers. That's what I think we are, but that's just my take. Welcome back inside the basement, Dr. Studio. John Cook and Garrett Seawright with you here on Lima Sports Radio, 93.1 The Fan. We are Cookie and the Monster, and we had a couple of Twitter poll questions that addressed the idea that off of the NFL schedule release last night, now that we know who and when and where the Bengals and the Browns are going to play all 17 of their games, they have an over-under win total at 9.5 apiece. The question's asked too high or too low, what you think of that? We're going to kind of break that down a little bit. So, I got both schedules up in front of me. I thought it would be fun if we just went week to week and said, Bengals, Browns, win, lose. Right, let's do it. Right through the schedule. So week one of the season will be September 11th, as it turns out. Never forget. The Browns are at Carolina, and the Bungles are, they got Pittsburgh, right? They are home for Pittsburgh. They are home for Pittsburgh. In, in franchise history, first time they're opening a season with the Steelers. So we're giving them both wins, right? Yes. I, th- I think I think we both, they, they both get a win. They both go to 1-0. and Week two, Browns versus Bengals at them Cowboys. I'll say Browns beat the Jets and Bengals lose to the Cowboys. I'll say the same thing. Surprising, but true. I'll say the same thing. Week three, Browns got the Steelers at home. Bengals go to them Jets. I'll say two wins there. I will do the same. So that makes the Browns 3-0, and according to us. Bengals 2-1. and Week four, Browns at Falcons, Bungles versus Dolphins. I will give the Bengals a win here, but I don't feel great about it. Thursday night football is weird. Short turnaround, the only reason I'm picking them is because they're at home. That it, it, if, if it was a short turnaround in Miami, I'd, there'd be no chance, in my opinion. So I'm going to do the same thing. So we got 4-0 Browns, and we agree so far. 4-0 Browns, 3-1 Bengals. What are we up to? Week 5? 1, week 2, five. 3, 4, yep. 5, 5. Week 5, the Browns have the Chargers at home. That's going to be the Browns' first loss. And the Bengals have the... Baltimore Ravens. They're at Baltimore. At Baltimore. At Baltimore. Sunday, Sunday Night Football. Sunday Night Football. We're giving them both losses that week, right? Yes. Okay. Two four losses. 4-1, and 3-2. and two. Okay. Next game, Brownies have Patriots at home. Bungles have at New Orleans. At New Orleans. Giving the Bungles another loss. I would say I'm giving two losses there. Who the Browns got again? Patriots. They got Patriots. Um, they never beat the Patriots. They never beat the Patriots. Yeah, I'm going to give the Browns a loss too. Wait, we're right in lockstep so far. Getting scary here. Next for the Browns, they are at the Ravens. Giving the Browns a loss. Yep. At the Ravens makes them four and three. The three and three Bengals then will take on who we got? The Atlanta they got Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons. I'll give them a win. 
Ah, uh, yeah, I'm going to give them a win. Both teams four and three. Falcons will have the number one pick in the 2023. Falcons will be <laughs> number one pick. Oh, I think that's probably a fair statement if ever there was one. What week are we up to? Eight? eight week eight. Week Browns-Bengals. Browns-Bengals. I will take the Browns in the home matchup Monday Night Football on Halloween. I'm taking the Bengals. Browns go to four and four. Bengals go to five and three on my sheet. Following week, Brownies are at the Dolphins. No, Browns are off. Sorry, week. sorry, Browns are off. Yeah, my Browns apologies. Bye week and Browns bye week. That is right. And Bungles have the Carolina have Panthers. the Carolina Panthers. I'll give them a dub. Yeah, we'll make the Bungles six and three. Got to get then, to the following week. Yeah, I would say week Browns ten is the week. opposite. Week ten, yeah, the Browns so week have. Week ten, the Browns have the. They're at Miami. They're at Miami. I'll give them a loss. Yeah, I think I'm going to give them a loss. Like they're going to, no, they're going to lose. They're going to lose to somebody they shouldn't, and they're going to beat somebody they should. I'm going to give them a win. I'm going to say Browns five and four. So at nine games, I got the Bengals at six and three, Brownies at five and four. You've got it. You got the Browns at four and five. I've got the Browns at five and four. Five and four. And okay, yes. And you've got the Bengals at at five and five four. And four. <laughs> you got them both at five and four. So yep. we've got one little area of disagreement. Week uh, game ten, not week ten. Game ten is I uh, lost my place on my sheet here. Browns, Browns play at, at Buffalo. Buffalo. Yeah, that's a loss. I'll give them a win there. You will. I, th- I think that's the they lose to Miami when they shouldn't, and they beat Buffalo. When they should. All right, and the the Bengals have in that same slot. They've got they play they're they're at, at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. I'll give them a loss. Yeah, at Pittsburgh, and that's a night game. Yep. Yeah, we're Sunday gonna we're, we're gonna give the Bengals a loss just there. because Pittsburgh's not gonna go zero and six in the division. I would certainly. And hope the Brown not. and the Bengals aren't gonna go six and zero in the division. I would certainly hope. So not. give me a loss there. All right, give me the next game that you. That's s- week twelve. So- Tampa Bay for the Browns. And at Tennessee for the Bengals. Tampa Bay for the Browns, so I'm going to give the Browns a loss there. I'll give them a loss. And Bengals have who? At Tennessee. At te- See, that's the one I really bumped on when I looked down through the schedule. I, that's a loss. I, I, I think that's the one I'm going to give the Bengals a win in when I maybe don't feel the best about it. That gets them to 7-4. and four. I got the Brownies at 5-6. and six. Bengals at 7-4. and four. Following week has the Browns at Houston. Browns at Houston and Cincinnati home for Kansas City. We're giving the Browns a win. Yep. Giving the Bengals a loss. Yep. Okay. Then it's Browns Bengals again. Browns Bengals again. Cincinnati. I'm picking the Browns to win that one. I'll take the Bengals in that one. And I've got them both at seven and six through thirteen games. Following week is. Browns have the Ravens? Yes, sir. At home? Yeah. Uh I'm gonna I'm gonna give the Ravens that win. Bengals have They are at Tampa they Bay. Are at Tampa. Yeah, we're giving that's a loss for the So I got them both at seven. I'll take a seven. win there for the Bengals. Okay. Because that's the game they have no business winning. And otherwise, I'm going to pick them to lose like six straight here with <laughs> Pittsburgh, Tennessee, Kansas City, Cleveland, Tampa Bay, New England, Buffalo, Baltimore. I'm, like, so, they're going to win somewhere in there. Brownies and Saints, right? Uh, Christmas Eve, yes, sir. Christmas Eve, Brownies at the Saints. That's a home game. I'm going to give the Brownies that's a, a win. win. That's a win. I'm going to give the Brownies a win. That's and a the, dome team, Christmas Eve, on the lake. 
Jameis Winston. Now, give me the give me the Browns. And then the Bengals play at New England on Christmas Eve. The Bengals play at New England. Yeah, that's a that's like, a Patriots win. That's a Patriots win. So that makes the man. Now I got the Browns eight and seven. The Bengals seven and eight. That nine and a half. That's the real t- deal, I'm t- man. I'm telling you, that's the real deal. Following week, week is seventeen New Year's Day for yep. the for the Brownies, and they are at the Commanders. I think that's a dub. I think that's a dub too, and it's going to work out exactly like I thought it would for me. And the Bengals are home for Buffalo on Monday Night Football. <sighs> Boy, that's a loss. Boy, I, mm, man, I don't think the Bills are going to be as great as ever. Like. Uh, you know, this is a potential Super Bowl matchup between the Bills and the Rams in the opening night. Like, is it? Yeah, the Bills are going to be good. I'm going to give the Bengals a win in that one. All right. I don't know that I like that, but I'm going to give them a win in that one. <laughs> but I got to do it to get to, yep. to get to ten. No, I don't. I, I, I've got <laughs> no, the Bengals at eight and eight, and the Browns at nine and seven. And the final week of the season, the Browns are at the Steelers, and just on principle, I'm giving the Browns a loss <laughs> there. So I got the Brownies at nine and eight, and I think. The Bengals have Bengals have the Ravens I'm, at I, home. Yep, I'm giving them a win, so they're going to be. I got both teams at nine and eight. Both teams. And when I first ran through the schedule, I had the Bengals with ten wins, and I just thought, nah, can't really pull the trigger on that one. I don't know which one I flopped on. I'm not real sure. I like some of those Buffalo, picks. So what'd you Buffalo, end up with? I was going to say I've got the the Browns at ten and seven, and I've got the Bengals at eight and nine. Okay. And I honestly. With that Super Bowl hangover thing you talk about, and with the Browns, with what they got to prove, I think that's a very realistic possibility. See, but, but I think I, I didn't pick the Bengals to really kind of fall off the wagon until the back half of the season. Is the Super Bowl hangover that takes place kind of right at the start? It, 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 it things don't go well from the get go. Like you lose to Pittsburgh, Dallas, and the Jets right away, and go, oh God, no, not so much of hey, you know, at the bye week they're six and four, and then they finish. Eight and nine. I, I don't. I don't know. I just. I think there's a lot of stock in the Super Bowl hangover. And I think there is as well. I don't. I don't. I don't want to say fluke. I don't want to say it was a fluke that they got to the Super Bowl. It was now, advantageous path. Sh- should we save these sheets so yeah, that when I'm we start sure, making our predictions in August? Yeah, I'm sure. On we'll, we'll want to refer back to these on Wednesday, September seventh, or whatever. We're going to go through the schedule and do it again. Do it again. But f- instant reaction to the schedule has me. Uh, Browns ten and seven, Bengals eight and nine. So, question for you: The Baltimore Ravens finished eight and nine a year ago in the at the bottom of the AFC North. Obviously, the mass unit they were shouldn't make it surprising. How big of a jump do you see the Baltimore Ravens making? I think they win the division. They go from eight wins to tw- to 11? eleven or twelve. Eleven or twelve. Ten wins won the division last year. Bengals were ten and seven. And you say their drop is going to be? They're going to be? They're going to go eight and nine. They're going to go eight and nine. That's why Steelers were nine seven and one a year ago. I that that's a freaking miracle. I I'm I'm. T- Did you see? Oh, that was one of the things we might have missed. It that reportedly there is bad blood between Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers. I was going to get to that in water cooler conversation. Okay. We will because <laughs> yes, it's we'll, we'll chat about. All righty, okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely chat about that. In fact, why don't we go ahead and take our Don Jenkins jeweler timeout so Let's we can it. come back, get the poll results, and get to some water cooler conversation on this fabulous Friday right here on Lima Sports Radio ninety three on the fan. Back here for a final time inside the Basement Doctor Studio where we've got to get to our Twitter poll results. Yes, sir. Brought to you by Vons Diamonds and Jewelry where Lima celebrates love online at VonsJewelry.com. The first question was, 
ESPN's got the Browns pegged for nine and a half wins. Is that too high, too low, or just right? 50% say it's just right. I told you all it was too high for both teams. I just went through the exercise one game at a time, end up with nine wins apiece. I had I had the Browns at 10 and the Bengals at 8. So uh, it, it, Same question <laughs> for the Bengals. Nine and a half wins over under. Is that too high, too low, or just right? 51% say it's just right. 39% say it's too low. And you think both of them can pound sand? Yeah, I think it's too You high. think they're going to win eight? And I, I, I told you, I would love to sit here in February and be like, man, you believe I thought they were going to go eight and nine? But <laughs> here we are. Here we are. Water cooler conversation. I got two things. One, a big tip of the cap. Uh, Liberty Benton uh, today, their baseball team, played Ottawa Hills and lost 3 nothing already because they played at 2 o'clock. They let the kids out of school early. Come watch the baseball team. I think that's great. They, they do it in the winter sometimes. There's schools around that have done uh, like a wrestling meet during the day and let the elementary kids come and watch the wrestling meet or whatever. But could, it, it could not have been a picture perfect, more picture-perfect day to watch a baseball game today at 2 o'clock. And kudos to Liberty Benton, kudos to Ottawa Hills for saying, yeah, let's play a game at 2 o'clock on a Friday during the school day. Let kids out of school early. Because all, all they're doing is staring out the window daydreaming about why the hell do I got to learn Y equals MX plus B when I could be <laughs> doing anything other than that. <laughs> so let them go out and play baseball. Watch some baseball. And so I, I think that's really cool. Here, here. Uh, uh, also, and I think more schools should do it, by the way. More schools should be playing afternoon baseball games, let your kids out of school and watch because sports is more important than learning. Also, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's my, I love the part of uh, in Friday Night Lights, the movie. They're like they've lost, like they lost a game or whatever. And in sports talk radio, the, the kids are flipping through the radio, and there's a caller. It's like, I know what the problem is. Them kids are doing too much learning up at that school. Yeah, yeah. And God, if that's not relatable. Uh, and then also my second water cooler conversation is uh, the PBR World Finals. Professional bull riders start tonight. Goes on for nine days. There are two bulls from Lima. They're going to be ridden in the finals. The Undertaker and Mister Excavator. So if you're a PBR watcher check out the two bowls from Lima who are competing in the world finals. The finals are nine days? Nine days. I mean, if you could string out nine days in Vegas, you'd probably probably do it too. A bunch of cowboys for nine days Nine days in Vegas. What could could possibly go wrong? Apparently the Steelers front office and Ben Roethlisberger had some real problems last year and it wasn't made public. The understanding is that they made him a low ball offer thinking he would say, to hell with you and retire, and he took the money and stayed. (laughs) Way to go. <laughs> and apparently that's that's news that there was a rift between Roethlisberger and the Steelers front office. He wasn't ready to retire. Bro, did you watch you play last he year? He might not have been ready. Woo. That didn't mean it wasn't right, time. Right. Exactly. <laughs> that doesn't mean it was not time. We appreciate you really for the entire week. We want to say thanks for tuning in. We want to thank Jerry Cooper, new commissioner of the Northwest Central Conference, for joining us. And uh, hope you have a fantastic weekend. NBA playoffs galore, NHL all over the place. And we will be back on Monday. And we will catch you then, right here from 4 to 6, Cookie and the Monster on Lima Sports Radio, 93.1 The Fan.